Hey, it's Chris Nichols. Thank you guys for listening to the Petapixel podcast. Catch our new episodes every week on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, welcome back everybody to the Petapixel podcast. It's your buddy Jordan Drake here, joined with my buddies, Jaron and Chris. How are you guys doing? Being We're very good. well today, thank you. <laughs> good, good. So I wanted to kick things off with another question to get the audience to know you. I think this is a fun thing I'm going to drop all the time. So Chris and Jaron, if you were a Kelvin color temperature, what Kelvin color temperature would you be? 3200. Yeah, you're just a yeah. warm glow. Warm, that's right. That's that's what I feel whenever you're around. Just yeah. <laughs> I, well, that one I'm actually. So the last time you asked a question, I, I could not improv to myself out of a box. But this one, I actually have an opinion about. I do feel like I'm a warm color temperature. Uh, Chris, well, uh, these questions at the start of the podcast make me like seven thousand, just blue as blue can be. I I don't know. I'm just like what <laughs> Kelvin temperature. You know. Just dark, cloudy, grumpy. Okay, so I'm not going to pick my own. I want you to to, to select for me. What is your well, impression of me as a Kelvin color temperature? Well, he, he's an intense egomaniac, and he thinks he's very well balanced. So I'm going to say he thinks he's daylight. He's 5600. I would say that, yes, Jordan probably thinks he's 5600. But and he's when, not. But when he's, he's got something not. to do, he's like 1200. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, my sunny disposition, right? Just nothing you, but pleasant. Okay. You just, okay. you radiate, like, that color when you're working or when you're busy okay. or when you feel like you have too much to do, which is well, almost all the time. He turns, he turns 1200 red. Yes. It's, it's yes. interesting to know you both agree that I'm diluting myself. So that's, <laughs> he go, yeah, he goes into, like, 65 nanometer infrared, this guy. Would <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, On a completely unrelated <laughs> subject, um, I, uh, I, I wanted to know if you guys, do you guys listen? Did you ever listen to or still listen to Death Cab for Cutie? Oh, not in a long time. Yeah, I was never big into them. Go ahead. Did you like the Postal Service? Sure. I mean, I heard these guys on the radio a couple times. Not, not, not you know, not They're, always my thing. Did you know that they were the same person? The same yes. band? Okay. Yes, I, did know I just got a notification like yesterday on social media that the Postal Service and Death Cab were on tour. And I was just like, oh. So what do they do? Do they just like turn around and act like they're in a different band. They, ju they just switch t-shirts halfway <laughs> yeah, through. Like, who yeah. opens for who and then how does that look? Do they change up the, st the stage arrangement? I think I they just like shoot out letters to the audience <laughs> just as a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it because they're the postal service. Yeah, It's hilarious. Anyway, I just saw that and I now have like music playing in my head from when I was Aww. in college that I can't get out. Um, <laughs> so if, if I start like humming to myself during this, it's because I have death right. stuck in there. I mean, you're the editor. You're the one who's going to have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mute myself. Uh, guys, this is an important show. We're doing the Petapixel Awards. Different from yes. the Chris and Jordan, this is like the editorial staff of Petapixel have all come together to get like a consensus opinion on some of the best stuff that came out this, uh, this year. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Yes. Um, the uh, the best part about this this year is that there was so much to choose from. Like it was like difficult to nominate. That's true. Because there was like the, the the awards tended to be very spread out because there was so many different things that came out. So I'm I'm curious to see what people think of uh, the selections. But we yeah. also have some uh, interesting news stories coming up in the photographic world. Four of them, in fact. So I think we should cure the intro. Yeah, let's do it.
And welcome back from our cute little intro. As always, we really appreciate. We'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, OM System. They've been taking really good care of us over this uh, this first foray into the podcasting world, and we're loving it. Now, OM System is the makers of the ultimate compact camera for outdoor enthusiasts. The OM5, we've used it ourselves. I do like it very much. It's nice and compact. Uh, it's not here to be flashy, but it actually is a really sexy looking camera. It's not here to steal the show, but in a way, just be the experience, like the sole reason for your adventure. Um, it's it's like your favorite pair of boots that you lead onto a trail unknown or that bag that's always been with you or that friend that helps you see the world in a beautiful, different way. That's lovely copy. For me, I find the OM5 is beautiful because it's rugged. It's going to stand up to abuse and it's compact as are the lenses. And for me, if I'm doing adventure, that's most important. So recently, we published an awesome film. You guys should check it out. OM System ambassador matt seuss he uh, explored idaho's stunning sawtooth mountains with an om5 um, the compact size again like i mentioned the ip53 weather sealing critical to just being able to go hike bike fly small planes to the mountains and not worry about your camera gear getting wrecked so uh yeah this is something michael bonacore did hey you guys watched that film i did yeah yeah i mean it's a fun watch to an area of idaho that we haven't explored yet um but yeah, I and mean, it's just great to see it kind of tackle a huge variety of challenges. I could throw one more challenge in. I forgot to mention last week, which is crazy, is uh, I talked about going to shoot that half sorry uh, celebration of my neighbors. Uh, yes. I said, Liam, you should grab a camera and get candids of the kids because it's celebrating them. So he grabbed, he looked at my cameras, grabbed an OM5 with a 20 mil and a 9 mil. So he had some options. He's a prime kid. That's my boy. And uh <laughs> It actually it was really interesting because they, you know, they're all like taking pictures of each other at this. So they got pictures that we would never get with like ever eye going and jamming a giant camera in their faces. So yeah, you can shoot amazing nice. vistas in Idaho, or uh, yeah, just a, something a little bit less intimidating like that. It also excels at, and kids love it. Or one kid, <laughs> my and kid. They'll, they'll, it'll it'll hopefully survive a child. He's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a strong camera. I'm sure so check he out- spilled some stuff on it. <laughs> check out Petapixel Travel Editor and Michael Bonacore's story. It's a good film to watch, guys. Um, go to Petapixel, visit our website, click the link in the video description. You'll find it there. But also make sure to visit explore.omsystem.com slash Petapixel. There's a complete list of incredible holiday savings. They're still on, so go now for OM System cameras, lenses, and more. And again, thank you, OM System, for being a sponsor on our podcast. Cool. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Let's uh, let's get into the news. Um, this one is me patting myself on the back because I scooped this. Yes. Uh, Filmic's entire team of 22 people were let go by parent company Bending Spoons in November. That includes everyone from the CEO down to the whoever else. All their developers gone. Bending Spoons bought them last year. Uh, and it was framed as like a you know way for them to improve the software, get the funding they needed, whatnot. And a year later, Bending Spoons just essentially said, we know all we need to know uh, about this. Uh, see you later. We're going to do it internally now. Uh, I don't know if you guys got a sense that something might have been amiss. But when we were doing the iPhone yes. uh, stuff and we didn't have Filmic Pro at all, mm-hmm. and I've had a great relationship with them, I emailed them be like, hey, are you working on a support for log are you working on support for ssd and they're just like i have got no news to share that was um <laughs> they did concerning. have news to share they're just not allowed to share it well they still yeah. don't support external like they didn't add anything for uh, external yeah. ssd thing like nothing oh, special man. there they did add log support eventually but like there hasn't been a major update to filmic since september of last year 
Yeah, it's wow. interesting because in our review, we pointed out like <clears throat> soon we're going to get all the assist tools that we want with support for log through Filmic, uh, not knowing. And I'm sure a huge part of this news is Blackmagic completely stole their thunder with full yeah. support for all these features and a bunch more and then dropped it for free. I mean, that's going to just absolutely kill the business model of everybody yeah. looking to provide pro features on an iPhone. Yeah, they made sure that Apple used their software to uh, Well, I don't even know if they the did that. I just think Apple picked it because it was the best well, one there available. You go. It was um, available. Fantastic. Filmic wasn't yeah. available yet. Um, the the thing that's of note is that uh, like even though, yes, Blackmagic did do it for free, um, I think Filmic hurt themselves by sw- switching up their strategy in terms of pricing. And it wasn't Filmic that did it. It was Bending Spoons that they yeah, went right. to like a, a monthly fee sort of thing as opposed to the uh, one and done purchasing thing that Filmic used to do. Um, not that it matters because they basically <laughs> got rid of everyone. So, But but they're actually still using the app, right? I mean, they're 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 bending i was gonna say they're bending it into their uh into their company bending spoons but yeah, it's owned uh, by them it's owned by them like is was this just a way of like taking the technology and saying hey we're gonna like go forward with our own crew in italy or you know i mean yeah basically they, i think i think what it, they did is they did that they learned they thought yeah. they, they got everything they needed to know from the team at filmic over the last year and now that they think that they can they can keep carrying the app forward they no longer need those 22 people and they're just going to keep right. updating the app on their own well we'll see right because i'm curious to see what's filmic going to do going forward now we're going to see more stuff here we're going to see more more apps being updated or are they just going to let it go who knows who knows, who knows? Yeah, uh, now they're competing own- with black magic which is a bigger like a really large yeah. company with real development so yeah um, we'll and see. a very good app like a yeah, very yeah. very good app that app slays um more mm. on that later uh all right well <laughs> that's sad uh but uh, we always like news. to kick it off with a bummer Here, let's go on a happy one let's go on a happy one and other news panasonic <laughs> uh, will be adding they didn't say when but it will be free but they are adding 12-bit raw out via HDMI to the G9 II that will huh. work with Blackmagic external recorders as well as Atomos recorders. Jordan, any thoughts? You love shooting in RAW, right? I mean, I don't do it very often. Uh, I've explained why a few times on this show. Um, I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. He's even even when this was announced. Uh, yeah, uh, when this was first announced, I saw a bunch of comments about like, oh, it's the unbeatable image quality now. I mean, RAW is just a little more flexibility, but you're not gaining, you know, a ton of dynamic range and stuff. But that said, you know, uh, it is using, I really like the fact that we're going to get both B-RAW and um, ProRes RAW support. So, you know, more and more people, if you're working with RAW, you're clearly very interested in heavy grading. DaVinci is yeah. the standard for that. And not all of the Panasonic cameras that have received raw support have received B raw support. So it's pretty cool that they're going to offer this with it. Um, and yeah, the reasoning I think is when they dropped the G nine two, they said, this is the photographer's camera. Yeah, uh, that was really their it. emphasis. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then and now a it's whole be- pile of videographers picked it up and they're like, Hey, I'd love to have raw on this. And they're like, well, I guess we misunderstood our own product. So <laughs> yes, uh, it's, gonna- beca- it's become an incredibly popular video camera and a very capable one. Yeah. Yeah, I love uh, it. I think it's great to have that <laughs> functionality. You know, if I had clients, there are lots of clients who request raw, even if they're never, you know, you'd get the same results just shooting 10 bit in a log yeah. format. But uh, it's something a lot of people feel they need. So it's nice to know if you have this camera, you don't have to rent or something in order to fulfill that request. So, Jordan, here's just a quick question to throw at you. So now that they have raw support for the G92, um, 
if you were a, a, a starting out photographer or videographer and you're looking for either the G92 or the GH6, let's say price wasn't really a big deal, which way would you go? I mean, uh, unless you really need the uninterrupted record times, I mean, I prefer the fully articulating and tilty screen on the GH6, but honestly, like the G92 having that great phase detect autofocus um, and all of the latest features uh, that they've also rolled out with the S5-2X cameras. I think it just makes sense to go uh, G92 for the majority of people. And I think Mm. Panasonic recognizes that, you know, they're not going to sell a lot of GH6s right now. So let's just make that G92 that is very compelling as capable a package as possible. I think it's a good call. Hmm. Uh, Of note... Not only are they doing this, but they've already and they've already done the second thing. They are providing Panasonic is a uh, a LUT a lookup table for vlog v gamut conversion of raw output data, so you can make your raw look and uh, match it with vlog and uh, v there you go gamut, which is nice. Yeah, this is this is what uh, Resolve does by default, um, but it is really nice if you want to plant it with this and any other NLEs. That's just nice. Yeah, they're they're showing it in Final Cut here. Yeah. yeah. So. Nice. Uh, cool. Happier news. Happier news. On that note. Better than frame lines. <laughs> <laughs> better than frame lines. This next that's, one that's I find low. a little bit more interesting myself personally. Hasselblad's got a brand new 90 mil f2.5 that they announced a long time ago with the X2D release, and it has finally come. And I mean, this sounds fantastic, especially now the X2D also is getting uh, face autofocus, face detect AF. So you now have a really beautiful portrait lens you know, shallow depth of field if you want it. And uh, I want to play with it. I want it now. now. Hasselblad's focal lengths are baffling to me. Like it's a 70 mil F2, like equivalent in full frame. Like, it, sure, it I just love seems, that. For, and, and then there's, uh, yeah, a lot of their other XC lenses are just very odd focal lengths, which are, they're beautiful lenses. I got to play with them, not the 90 uh, when I reviewed the X2D. That's because it didn't but, exist. Um, yeah. <laughs> it didn't yeah. exist yeah <laughs> they announced now this thing over a year ago i was yeah. told yeah september 7th of 2022 i was told when i reviewed the uh x2d or at least i did a hands-on um i was told to expect the 90 by the following january february and they were like we'll send it to you as soon as possible and then just like crickets and it finally finally <laughs> showed up i wonder what took so long as i recall there was something special about this lens too that was making it yeah. harder for them to produce but i don't remember what it was yeah all of these new lenses um they have their um super fast flash sync so i wonder if that was part of it with a wider aperture lens uh just making sure that it was actually going to deliver that because typically the wider your aperture on a leaf shutter lens that is going to slow down your sync speed uh so i wonder if there were issues with that but uh i definitely check out um you know we haven't got one to test but uh i really like the uh looks uh that ted and manny uh ortiz took some really beautiful shots with that lens so uh, it's clearly i mean we knew it would be capable of great results i just think it's a (laughs) weird focal length Mm -hmm. the other thing that's cool about it though actually is how small it is so it's it's way lighter way more common it's like 550 grams um that's crazy. And, and people are going to say, oh, well, yeah, it's slower than the 80 mil 1.9, but you're getting a little bit more telephoto range. Uh, you know, 2.5 is still going to give you, like, people, I, I, people overdo shallow depth of field a lot, in my opinion. 2.5, I think, is going to give you incredibly shallow depth of field and you want it. I'd probably shoot it stop down most of the time, anyways. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Did I mention I want it? I want it. Where is it? I want to play with it. Uh, 
Well, well, I don't have one. I don't. You never got to play with the X2D. No, you were sick when that came in. Why did I have to do that one? Yeah, I have to review all the medium format cameras. Thank you for doing the GFX one hundred two. I get ill every time a medium format camera. (laughs) Were you in your basement at that time? Is that what was going on? Probably one of the two times. Yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, Well, I I, we used to have a you know direct line to Hasselblad, but they uh, basically deleted their entire East Coast uh, PR. So I I don't know Ooh. what happened to any of that. I know I, they, they haven't reached out since. <laughs> so clearly they have someone because they gave it to some people, but I have no idea who they are. <clears throat> I'll I'll dig and see what I can find. It's basically DJI, so I should just ask our DJI contact what's going on. Yeah. Uh, final story of the week. Not really news, but I wanted to get your guys's input. Uh, we published a uh, story from the con- the photographer, the official photographer for the Dave Matthews Band. And he got to use the uh, A9 III, provide some input on what he thought about that for shooting concerts. And I do know that we've gotten questions from some people who are curious if it would work for specific things, including concerts. So if you did want to know what that was like, uh, you can go check out this story. But uh, what did you guys think of what he uh, said? I mean, it's a use case that immediately, as soon as they announced the camera, yeah. uh, popped into my mind because we're seeing now so many of those like cheap RGB spotlights that give you, you know, weird banding. And this will eliminate that. It won't eliminate flicker, but it will eliminate banding completely in your yeah. images. Uh, is a great use for it. And obviously the autofocus and bands are one of those things where I really love a super fast burst rate. And I'm never just holding it down. But when you've got, you know, a note that, you know, is a big part of a song or something, just quickly blast off like a half second of a whole pile of frames and see what you get. And the other thing to remember too, is it's dark typically. So it really does help to be able to just, you know, shoot at a slightly slower shutter speed and then pick the sharpest of all of those frames instead of, you know, cranking your ISO up an insane amount to get a thousandth of a second. So in those cases, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, There was uh, like, I don't know if this is what you wanted to talk about, Chris, an example in the article showing the visual difference between a rolling shutter and a global shutter, um, which I don't know is totally practical. Right. You're, you're talking about with the movement of drumsticks and things like that. Yeah, there's, there's a shot where you're seeing the sticks do the wobble. Uh, the symbol is like bending in half like <laughs> it's a pancake. Uh, and this is an example that we've used all the time to demonstrate rolling yeah. shutter limitations as I sit at my electric drums, which is the least dynamic looking thing you can possibly do and, uh, and swing it around. Um, but they use the electronic shutter on the A7R5, yes. which is a very slow-reading sensor. Yeah. Um, and you would never shoot a concert with an electronic shutter on no. that camera. I mean, I, I think a much more fair example would have been, you know, a classic mechanical shutter or a rolling shutter with a stacked sensor camera to like, show the yeah, difference yeah, like there, a like an A1 or, or something, or something yeah. like that. A1. Yeah, uh, would have made a little bit more sense. So I feel like it makes the difference more <laughs> pronounced than it actually would be, would be my yes. concern with that. Um, but yeah, there's certainly big advantages for shooting concerts. I just know if yeah, it I was mean, demonstrated that well. No taking away from the fact that global shutter will completely eliminate rolling shutter altogether, right? So yeah. it is nice to make it a, a total non-issue and not have to worry about that. But yes, that was that was about the worst Sony camera you could choose to to do as a comparison. So it certainly does show up. I mean, but, if you uh, want to demonstrate it, that's the way, man. But uh, I think that was probably not totally there. Yeah. The benefit is still there. The The point's still valid. It will completely eliminate any sort of weird drumsticks and stuff like that. Um, 
it does have flicker control. A lot of cameras do. We talked about this last week, and actually, yep. we had a we had a question from somebody about, hey, would the A nine three be good for concert photography? And so, absolutely, it would. No taking away from the story, uh, it absolutely would be fantastic for for. It. It's a perfect use case for it. Um, you know, not that you have to be silent, but any sort of situations on movie sets or something like that would also be excellent uh, if you're trying to keep as quiet as possible. So, and as Jordan said, it is designed for documentary, journalism, speed, quick shots. Um, and I, I, honestly, we found the A93 had very decent high ISO performance. So even if you did have to crank up your ISO, get the shutter speeds because you really do want to freeze certain kinds of action. It was quite comparable to contemporary cameras. Like, I don't think I would, I wouldn't shy away from using it higher ISOs. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. We'll see. And I certainly wouldn't use an A7R5. We're still, we're still <laughs> waiting for a final production unit of the A93. And I'm, I think that will probably come early next year. Um, so, that'll be exciting mm -hmm. for you guys to actually be able to look at those raw files. No one has yet. Yeah. So, I'm, maybe we should go see a show, Chris. Oh, man, I know. Hey, we'll go see Death Cab for Cutie with Jared. <laughs> They're coming to Portland, but that's not till May. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my May's we'll getting pretty busy. back to May. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the week in news. Let's get on to the uh, the main topic of today's episode, which is the Petapixel Awards. We've been doing these for a couple years Woo! now, and uh, the way this works, as as Jordan uh, briefly went over, is that we have rather than just one or two people like Chris and Jordan do for their best and worst, we have the entire Petapixel team. Uh, submit nominations and pick their selections for the best yes. camera lens, uh, prime lens, zoom lens, smartphone, computer, and software. We also ask people to talk like what trend in the last year do you think was the most uh, uh, outstanding? Right. Um, so this was, I, it was more like a, a real vote as opposed to just how someone you know necessarily feels about yeah. it. So Jordan and I were even given a vote. We were given votes. That was nice. So the way this works is uh, I asked everyone to pick a first, second, <laughs> and third in each category. First place got five points. Second place got three points. And third place got one point. And then I tallied all those together and we got the winners. We're going to go over all of these, get your guys' opinion on the selections, why you think they won, if you, and if you think they are deserving. And uh, we're going to start <laughs> with the bottom and work our way to the tops because the camera of the year is, of course, oh. the most exciting. So we'll do that one last. Right. But the software of the year we touched on earlier is, I wish I had like a drum drum roll. Uh, Jordan's the drummer. Yeah, he is. Jordan's the drummer too. Yeah, not, we could oh, both yeah, do it. It's been a while. Far. Let's try and synchronize <laughs> it. That's why you're always against me. <laughs> yeah, the two drummers against the lead singer. Oh man, well, the drummers are the most antagonistic forces. <laughs> They're just the well, when you get them together. At least we're not bassists. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm going to offend a bassist. Uh, Blackmagic's camera app wow. for iOS has, was voted the software <laughs> of the year. This is the first time an app has won this category for us, and yeah. uh, I think it is quite deserving. This app is very good. When I first use it, I couldn't figure out how to lock my exposure. So if I touched the screen, it would reset everything. It was really annoying. But then once I figured out how to lock it with just this very convenient lock icon <laughs> right next to the exposure, then I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. So yeah, it's smart and it makes me want to, like I got a cage now for the iPhone. I'm going to try to build it up and then shoot some actual like Bow River Trout Fitter stuff with the iPhone and just give that a shot. You know, Give it a shot? Having that, give it a shot. Oh, just, you know, have that, give it a cast. Just have that one product that can handle everything, right? I always have the phone on me anyways. Why not build it in the cage, throw a mic in there? So next thing is to find a microphone that goes right into USB for that to be mounted. That's my next goal. 
Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to hearing kind of your experience on that. I have been using the iPhone for B-roll quite a bit. And yeah, yeah I now have it set up. So my custom button just opens the Blackmagic app. Ooh, for that's right. Recording. You can do that. Ooh, yeah, you can do that. Uh, and that's been, yeah, a really handy thing just to make it feel like a legitimate camera again. Uh, although I yeah. do have to order some uh, NDs because I've been shooting a lot of fast shutter speeds and slow-mo with it. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have to figure it out. That's, on, uh, any, that's what I should do throughout this is if you're shopping for Jordan for Christmas, uh, NDs would be on my wish list. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for I, the I, iPhone I, 15 Pro, I yeah. like two, three, and four stops that I can stack. I'm throwing that out there. Uh, I'm, oh I'm fair. I don't know why you haven't asked me. I'm fairly certain, like, Moment makes that. So, we could, I'm sure, I'm do. sure, yeah. I'm sure we have probably get that for you. <laughs> I thought about it just now, so I'm throwing it up. <laughs> okay. Um, so the other uh, notable nomination in this category this year was DaVinci Resolve. Uh, it did not, it was close, but it did not win. Um, and then a couple others that were on here. And I think DaVinci Resolve is a solid, solid vote too. That app has gotten sure. really good in the last year, year and a half. Yeah. A lot of people have switched to it for good reason. Uh, some other notable ones were uh, DxO Photolab 7 and uh, Adobe Photoshop 2024. Adobe always makes their way onto this list because they make reliable software, regardless right. of what you think. Yep. They make good stuff. It works. Yeah, you may not like how much it I costs, like their stuff. but there you go. Um, all right, <laughs> so the next category is Computer of the Year. Yeah, Gigabyte Arrow 15. And uh, it's amazing that we actually voted this in because you guys always talk so much like it wasn't oh, even Apple, released Apple, Apple. this year, which is really what? fascinating. No, there's new versions though. I mean, that would you be know, the 16, and uh, even though yeah, the 16. You're right. You yes, believe, I believe you are the only reason this is on this list, Chris. But <laughs> what <laughs> the winning computer was actually the MacBook Pro with M3 Max. Um, oh, and what? so I want people to the people think that this is just like <laughs> driven by Apple fanboyism by me and Jordan. Uh, I'm trying to explain to all y'all this is not this can't have happened with just two people voting for it. Uh, this one by a considerable amount. It got the nomination for basically <laughs> everyone. Uh, and for good reason, it's a very, very good laptop. The uh, price to performance ratio is very good. Uh, as we discussed in a previous podcast, it is difficult to recommend <laughs> a laptop PC right now compared to a Mac based on a few key features like heat dissipation, noise, and the battery life and the power on battery. It's very difficult for PCs to compete there. But and I am intrigued by the chip and, and how it's going to be more versatile for other yeah, things. And like you can game on stuff, it. Yes. But, uh, yes. Um, but I didn't vote for it. You did not vote for it. That is, I can confirm I that. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one, we are, we're going to try and get past all the Apple stuff because this is the last Apple thing on the list. The smartphone of the year is uh, in a, in a <laughs> basic landslide. Uh, iPhone 15 Pro Max, one yeah. smartphone of the year. Second, uh, distant second with half as many votes went to the Google Pixel 8 Pro. Ooh. Thoughts, gentlemen? I did vote for the iPhone 15 Pro Max. I should I should point that out. I did vote for an Apple product. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm using it as my uh, daily phone right now. And yeah, I do enjoy it. I like it. It works fine. The images are great. The interface is still sometimes annoying. I still take screenshots every time I try to turn the damn thing off. Um, <laughs> what are you, squeezing it? I hate that. 
Well, you know, because, yeah, you, the, you've got the off button on this side, but I'm usually, yeah, putting some reverse pressure on the other side. Uh, and it usually happens to be my thumb on the lower volume button. That's funny. Um, but, you know, overall, it's great. And, and I played with the Pixel. despite that. Yeah, which is it won astounding. despite that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, I, and I don't want to buy iCloud storage, but I might have to. But because um, Apple makes you do that. They but do get you there. The Pixel 8. I didn't get to play with it as much, but I certainly did like the images that we got out of it in Idaho. Uh, you know, I think it's a great picture taker. And so I, and I think there's still a lot to be said for that in the Android device. Um, I don't find the same separation now between Apple and PC as I do between Apple and Android, honestly, with phones. I thought there'd be this real, like, you know, one way or the other. And to me, I kind of feel like a smartphone's a smartphone. I just treat this as a slightly different UI and, and I think it works well. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that's kind of become your daily like smartphone. Uh, I can certainly say when I got the files from Chris, I was very impressed with the Pixel stills images. Um, yeah. The video still has a long way to go, which is why yes. the iPhone still got my vote. I mean, it even it's still variable frame rate depending on how much movement's in the shot. So I couldn't sync it with other yeah. cameras. I, it, it's still yeah, yeah some some interesting steps up. And the other thing too is the Pixel's big feature. I'm excited about their. Um, night site for video isn't available yet. So no. I'm looking forward to almost doing a retest when we can see how much improvement that actually offers. I think like today they brought out time lapse at night, but still not the promised night site for video, which hmm. is kind of strange. Um, there's also been some uh, questions about the build quality of the the pixel that are coming up on other sites. So I don't know if that played into anyone's votes, but uh, yeah. I have actually have a question for both of you. A lot of the time, people will say that the picture quality out of a, the Google phone or even out of any Android phone was better than iPhone, but the iPhone wins so handily in video and in user experience that they typically will pick the iPhone as an overall over an Android mm. device. I wanted to get your opinion on that. Is there still this divide where the iPhone is good at pictures, but not necessarily up to the par of Android or is, is it closer? I think the gap is really closed in quite a bit, especially if you're going to be displaying on HDR. Uh, the Google still has some work to go in that regard. What do you think, Chris? No, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I mean, I think I like that Apple stepped up the resolution of 24 megapixels on their files, on their standard JPEGs. I think that will have some appreciable benefit for people that are doing social media, maybe you want to crop a little bit tighter or whatnot. Um, I didn't mind the digital lenses like I thought I would. So I think it does give you good flexibility. Image quality wise, I feel, yeah, we're getting to a point where we're kind of talking about the difference between Sony or Canon or Nikon or, you know, Pentex or whatever, where it's just like, they're all good. They have different color. They have different rendering. They have different kind of feel. Well, the resolution um, tends but, to be a major one that people will point to because the iPhone is pretty yeah. far behind a lot of Android devices. But it's, Does it's it matter? so rarely used in social media situations. In fact, it's not used in social media situations. It's rarely used if you want to like, yeah, maybe do prints or something. And, and I think there's some legitimacy now for people using smartphones as creative devices for traditional photography, not just social media. But uh, yeah, I, I'd want to, I'd want to play more with the pixel eight and uh, see some shots because you know, when you have sample photos where it's all from stunning Idaho and it was gorgeous and it was autumn and everything, and it's, yeah, it's hard to compare. I can uh, certainly say, um, like, I'm using the iPhone uh, 15 Pro. My wife is using the Pixel 8. And 
we haven't found if we're using the main camera to just get quick grab shots of our kids or something. A lot of the time in the past, I would be like, it's low light, quick, pass me your pixel or something. We're not seeing that as much. Uh, They're very competitive on the main camera. I will say we have had a lot of issues with like the camera locking up functions becoming unavailable where we've had to hard reboot the uh, Pixel 8. Really? Pixel? Oh. Uh, so if there's concerns about build quality, and I definitely have some concerns about the software, uh, that could be a real mm. problem for sure. All right. I mean, the only thing I would still point out is, to me, it really comes down to the differences in the interface for the camera. And, and that takes getting used to. And I mean, every camera will have its kind of annoying quirks and stuff. I, I do kind of like how Google things are unlocked for you already, you know, having manual control just there to play with is unlocked already and stuff. Whereas I feel with Apple, you know, they're kind of saying, well, if you want to go down that realm, you have to get the apps and then you can do that. You could choose to do that, you know, unlock all that stuff that we otherwise don't really want to unlock because we don't think the majority of users are going to appreciate it. Uh, Google, it's kind of already available. Um, the, the, the whole like uploading to the cloud and doing some digital trickery and stuff. That's interesting. That I don't see how I would use it very often myself personally. I don't know if Evelyn was was using it much on on the shots she's been taking. Hmm. No, she frames every image perfectly, so we don't have to take things out digitally there, from okay. them. And yeah, that was a big topic of conversation of like the the Google Pixel making things yeah. less real. Or does that matter that you can change so much? And I'd love I mean, to I know how much people are actually yeah, using that. Now I mean, that it's how the ads on TV tell me that everyone should care, and I just don't yeah. feel like people do i just don't think it comes up i think it's a great step in a, in a very interesting direction i don't i don't think it's something that we should avoid but definitely from what i've seen from it the results aren't quite convincing yet mm. like at mm. all so <laughs> yeah unless unless you've got like a very clean composition specific kind of situation then the camera does a pretty good job but if you've got life going on it has issues and it gets confused and so it's just not quite there yet all right, let's move on to the zoom lens of the year. And uh, these next two categories okay. actually were much tighter uh, than I was expecting, Whoa. despite the fact that there were quite a few lenses released this year. Um, a couple stood out. <laughs> uh, the I'm going to first say honorable mention for this one was the Sony 20 to 70 F4G, which is I think both of you said that was your favorite lens of the year, correct? It's Love definitely mine. Yeah. yeah. Well, that uh, was up there, but it did not win. The lens of the year in Zoom is the Tamron 70-180 f2.8 Di3 VC VX DG2. Yes, despite its incredibly ridiculous name. (laughs) I was going to say, that's why it won, is it was just whoever put the most letters after the focal length won the award this year. (laughs) It's a great lens. I mean, I love it. Uh, there's there's no disparaging it. It's super sharp. It's compact and lightweight, fast focusing, great wide open at 2.8. I mean, I don't know what else you would really ask for from a 70 to 200 other than that it would actually go to 200. <laughs> and I mean, who cares? 20 millimeters? Who Give who up cares? 20 millimeters for deal. better performance at the rest of it. You'll do it. Honestly, I would take this over the 7200 F4 uh, G Master, like just because they're they're similar price points, but you might as well get the faster aperture. I think personally, um, I still think the Sony 7200 is you know the version two G Master is like the creme de la creme for that, but. The 7180 comes close for a lot less money, so it totally makes sense. I feel like there's a but with every Sony option, like the 70 to 200 G Master 2 is a 
fantastic lens, but it's incredibly expensive. The Sigma 70 to two is a very good lens, but it's still very big where yeah, I, like what with the 70 to 180, can you really complain about now that they've added a stabilizer and made it even sharper? Like it was yeah. one of our favorite zooms. Super before sharp. This. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. The, the original 7180 was fantastic. It was a great lens. So, yeah, and they made Ask it better. Ask Nikon shooters who are now like yeah. furious oh. that they've got the old version. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. You know, still a great lens. Still a great of lens. note, yes, that 70 to 200 from Sony, the Mark II, is on this list, but it didn't get a lot of attention. Uh, the ones that were more popular were Sony's uh, 16 to 35 f2.8 GM2. That made the list. Mm. Sure. Uh, and the uh, Nikon 180 to 600 f5.6 to 6.3, as well as the 180 to 600, were all on here. But the hmm. number, the winner was by a good amount. Tamron's 70 to 180. I'm actually really proud of Tamron over the years. It used to be they've done well. Um, Tamron and Sigma were both like when I was in college, like the, you know, you get those cause you couldn't afford first party glass and then Sigma upped its game and became like really good. And then Tamron was like, well us too. And now I think makes, I think Sigma makes <laughs> yeah. incredible primes and I think Tamron yes. makes outstanding zooms. Yeah, that's yeah. the real split between the two. And especially Although, since they've started doing like totally different focal lengths from the first party yeah. manufacturers, like the 35-150. Uh, we got a review coming out very shortly for the 1750 full frame. Cool stuff like that. It looks like they're really trying to, you know, look outside the box. What were you going to say, Chris? Although... Oh, well, I was going to say, you know, you'll, you'll want to pay attention to the 17-50 video and, and see how that uh, works out for you. It's an interesting lens. But it, it might change things a little bit for Tamron. All right, cliffhanger. Uh, let's go to the prime lens of the year. <laughs> this one was basically down between two lenses. Everyone else was not mm. close. The honorable mention here is the Nikon 135 millimeter f 1.8s Plana Plina. Plena? 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 You didn't pronounce it right, Jaron, and not the Plena right. part. I always second guess no, myself. The Nikon no one part. does. Everyone's arguing oh, about yes. this. It's the, it's the Nikon part. Nikon. Yeah, you didn't pronounce You've Nikon been told properly. That a remarkable number of times lately. Does, oh. Is this is this oh. new? Is it, or is this has this always no. happened? This has been it's, his it, life. It's it's only been like fifteen it's years. Nikon. I know, uh, I'm sorry, everyone who, who claims that it's otherwise. Oh it's man, Nikon. Stop it. I'm I'm gonna lose it. Yeah, I'm gonna lose it. Uh, I you know. <laughs> anyway, the the plena, plena, plena. Plena. Sure. We split that the difference. Thing. We just say pl pl plena. Anyway, it's a very very good lens. Plena. Uh, it is now appearing on store shelves, and it came in second, close second. It was back and forth throughout voting, but the the one that eventually won by one point is the Whoa. Sigma 14 millimeter f 1.4 DGDN Art. I don't even remember which one I voted for because I like them both. But uh, well, we picked uh, on our best and worst. We picked the uh, Sigma. Um, the Sigma as because yeah. we lumped, lumped the zooms and primes together, uh, yes. and that was our second place lens. And yeah, I just think it's really impressive what they pulled off. You know, we loved the G Master fourteen mil one point eight. But then for Sigma to bring out a lens that's two-thirds of a stop faster. Yes, it's bigger, for sure. 
but sure. uh, it's but the same for price. photography. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same price. You get more light and it's actually good in the corners at 1.4. You're not getting terrible coma and uh, it, it was uh, sagittal, you know, aberrations. It's all really well controlled for that price. That's fantastic. But I mean, I had great experiences with both and obviously they're wildly different lenses for wildly different applications. Yeah. Um, but the 135, 1.8, it's a beautiful commercial lens. I'm surprised. I mean, Jordan loves the lens. Don't get me wrong, but I'm surprised you didn't go gung ho because he's got a real like 135 five mil it's not an obsession it's like a fetish it's oh, like I'm a right there dirty dark oh, web it's yeah. fetish. so good yeah well i like 135 yeah. why i go ahead that's why i went into canon mount was for the 135 l because nikon just yeah. had the old dc version with a slow motor and defocus control i'd never touch and canon had a very good auto focusing 135 f2 that's what got me into that system going back like yeah almost 20 years ago at this point, which I think is really interesting. Canon also launched a 135 this year that we're not hearing anything about. And I think it's just reviewers didn't really see that lens. We got to shoot with it for what, like 20 minutes when the R8 <laughs> was launched, Chris, you took like it a was a lovely of 20 minutes. It. it looked great, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, we, I would love to uh, look into that. So I will say on the record in 2024, we're going to be putting the 135s against each other. And I am yeah. going to have strong opinions. I will be on camera for a lot of it. And I will be taking what? pictures because <laughs> I love 135. It is my we'll jam. See. Um, yeah. We'll oh, see if I let him touch it. But, you'll uh, see. but yeah, Jordan loves 135s. I mean, some guys love feet. Jordan loves 135s. That's just the way it is. I'll uh, I'll go with Jordan here on this one. You I found I, a way to make it weird. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> you made it I weird. I used to be a 105 guy. I really liked the 105 macro from Canon for EF. Mm -hmm. What changed me over to a 135 guy was the Sony's 135. I got some of the best portraits That's a nice I've lens. ever taken with that lens. Um, so I, I, I was partial to it at that point. And... Uh, also, to touch on the thing where Canon released one and like no one talked about it, Canon has an interesting strategy, which is to announce a bunch of stuff and then not provide it to the market for eight months. Uh, it is <laughs> impossible to find almost every lens they announced this year you cannot get. Uh, and it has been somewhat frustrating, which means they would they fall in the category of are you in 2023 to be voted on for best product? You will not be yeah. into the running for 2024, but no one will actually see these lenses until 2024. And that stinks. Right. Uh, and the, this happens because you could actually order it right now if you're lucky and get one. But they're just they just are so few of them. And that that's, yeah. pro that's problematic. I will. Th I think the 24 to 105 f 2.8, I will consider a 2024 lens because I don't think anyone has it. So why would we? Yeah, I mean, it? I know a lot of people like, why? How, you know, how could you say not that lens for our best and worst of? And it's like, we haven't played Dude, with no it. No one, no one, yeah. no one has played with it. Canon. So send Jared us lenses. Poland's we'll got one in Africa. He's the only person yeah. alive <laughs> so with that lens. I should have said no one who is in at the time in the United States or Canada, like at the presently <laughs> at go. that moment, had it in hand. Uh, all right. So last one. Camera of the year. Camera of the year. This one was a straight up blowout. Not close. Wow. It only did not get voted as the number one pick one time. Everyone else picked it as their favorite camera of the year. Wow. Nikon. Not even a close second. Not, not even, even a, close a distant second. second? The, this, the Nikon Z8 wins it. They get 40 points. The next closest got six. What was that second place? I'm curious, Jim. Canon R6 Mark II. Sure. Nice was that, camera. Th was that this year? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. This has been a crazy year. 
Yeah, I was thinking the R8 was their only launch. Okay. Um, yeah, good camera. But <laughs> the, <laughs> maybe we should have considered that one as well. The Fujifilm GFX uh, well, it's good camera. We did consider five yeah. points. So it was five. Right. Those two were battling it out for second place, and it it was just not close. And this is one where I feel quite strongly about it. I think this was fantastic for anyone saying like, "Well, what about the uh, A9 three? Uh, no, doesn't count. No, that's it's a twenty twenty four camera. And, and I mean that. And and it does. Yeah, it's, it's twenty sure. And it also doesn't count because it's kind of the same thing with the GFX one hundred uh, version two, which is a great camera. I loved it. It's just we're we're getting to more niche cameras, and I think we give a lot of weight to best cameras of the year based on not only yeah capability image quality features but also like versatility and how many people actually benefit from it and yeah an a93 is a very much a specialized tool and i would argue a gfx 100 version 2 is a specialized tool just like i would say you know another option that we like considered the m11 monochrome or the q3 i mean these are all specialized tools and uh the nikon z8 is a camera that can handle pretty much any kind of photography it's rugged it's not overly huge i mean does you know, video well autofocus is for the most part reliable yeah. video is excellent so how can you fault it and and it has a state-of-the-art sensor and very fast uh electronic shutter doesn't need to worry about rolling shutter very often like these are all great things so it opens up wildlife shooting sports action journalism you could do portraiture i mean you get it so it's so it's, it's, super it's also four thousand dollars so like it, it's way yeah. less than a lot of other cameras in that general <laughs> sphere. Even everything else we talked about is is catastrophically more yeah, money. So yes. yes, yeah. If you absolutely. want a stacked sensor camera uh, in a full frame, it's the least expensive option right now, which is crazy. Yeah, God help which you, is camera crazy. shooters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we got to shoot it a lot earlier in the year, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it did a great job. Low light. Wildlife, so I, I think, landscape, I think whatever. this was a blowout for a reason. It's looking yeah. at everything else. There's just nothing like it that deser- that covers. The, and I know the everyone's, range. yeah. And I know everybody's like, oh, but the Z9 last year, and now the Z8, and okay, so whatever Nikon comes out with next year, you guys will say is the best camera. It's like, come on, man. Like, it, <laughs> we got to give <laughs> we got to give kudos to Nikon uh, for how they've done such a great job. Just like bringing you back market share and, and making great products. And, uh, you know, Nikon, Nikkor lenses have been really good as well this year. So great job, Nikon. <laughs> I mean, if Nikon, like they did with the Z8, if they bring out a version that's like, you know, 65% of the price, but all the same features as a Z8 again next year, then yeah, they win yeah. camera of the year again next year as well. So yeah, uh, we'll see. Oh, man. Um, I have fantasies of all the North American Nikon reps just like forming a posse and going to all these people's houses and just re-educating them on how we pronounce Nikon in North America. See, I don't want to go It's like a dream. Far. It's just a dream. It means the, nothing. The re-education thing has some baggage that I'm not interested in, in digging okay. up. Um, all right. So <laughs> not, I'm not going to co-sign. No. So while those are the <laughs> awards, we those are two specific cameras and specific companies, I do ask the team to also give me what they think was a trend of the year for cameras, mm. lenses, the whole industry. And the there were two that came up repeatedly. The second one, and, I, and the reason it did not win is because it, it hasn't fully developed yet. We need to see where it goes. Right. But the push for content authenticity was, uh, yeah. was a major conversation this year. Uh, we'll see about it again next year. But the one that I think everyone agreed on when they brought it up was mirrorless zoom lenses and the fact that the mirrorless mounts that we were promised were going to be better are actually finally showing that the num- the zoom lenses we're yeah. getting in mirrorless this year are bananas. All of them have been very interesting. 
And we want to point out that I think we're finally reaching the point where like, okay, they're, they're delivering on the promise. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out we didn't have a worst lens category in our best and worst this year because mirrorless lens designs have gotten so outstanding. You know, there yeah. are some that we might be like, it's not the best value, but to actually call it worst is very difficult this year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just seeing focal lengths that we could never have seen before. Like, I don't know if it's a flangeback issue, but we never saw ultra wide to normal lenses, which is my new favorite focal length. And we've seen. <laughs> One in pretty much yeah. every mount at this point. Um, I think Canon's the last holdout on that. So, uh, and we're seeing substantial see. benefits to like lenses getting smaller and lighter, which was always a thing with mirrorless, but we're really seeing that now. Formulas like where you're like, wow, how did they even get it this compact and lightweight? Yeah. So, I mean, like the 300 2A, yeah. like, you know, 70 to 200s all over the place. Like they're really getting small. I mean, Canon's done a compact one, Sony, Tamron, Nikon, like they're all making really nice small lenses, which was, really the the mirrorless appeal like that was one of the main uh promises that the mirrorless market made to photographers and so we're really seeing that come to fruition for sure or if they are big lenses they're doing something we haven't seen before like the 24105 2.8 right all right that's it that's the petapixel awards congratulations to all the companies that impressed us this year there was a lot. This was a very busy year for cameras, and uh, we love to see it. Feels like the industry is really bouncing back after some really down years. So you guys have been plenty busy since coming over to Petapixel, and uh, I, I, I love to see it. I, lo- I like seeing all the new stuff, and uh, congratulations to everyone again. Yeah. Um, with that. Good job, Nippon Kogaku. <laughs> with that. Uh, what have you been up to, Jordan? Uh, this week I have actually been able to watch a few movies. I'm going to do like a speed round. Um, so the killer just came out on Netflix. Anyone can watch it right now. Um, I like David Fincher quite a bit and I really enjoyed that. If you wanted to just see what happens when you give a reasonable budget to a very talented filmmaker, uh, it, it's just nice to see like a genre romp. There's nothing about it. That's. <laughs> Super it was compelling. Fine. It's just you follow like, yeah, um, a series of events in a uh, hired assassin's life when things go wrong. Uh, but it's just incredibly well made and it's fun to watch that. Uh, the sound design on it is insane. So do not watch it, you know, on a TV with kids running around during the day. Wait till you can throw it on a good home <laughs> theater and really uh, enjoy that. At Chris's recommendation, after three years, I believe, I finally watched Shall We Dance, the Japanese oh, film. Oh, it's longer than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he got actually angry with me recently. So, uh, my wife and I did watch that, uh, while he had my kids at a birthday party, his daughter's birthday party, they went to see a movie. Ev and I ran home and watched a movie. So, uh, thank you, Chris, twice over for that. Um, It's a, you're yeah, it's a lovely movie. It's 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 just like a good feel. If you're looking for like feel good with a little bit of uh, craft behind it, um, yeah, and that is definitely something. That but it gets away from out. that classic Japanese cinema stereotype of like the acting being very melodramatic or like overly schmaltzy. It's it's quite grounded, you know, still talks about sort of the Japanese subculture and and sort of the family, the construction of the family. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's the beautiful. shame beautiful dynamics story. are really interesting. The shame dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we love our shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah big on that. Um, big on the shame. Last one uh, is just a quick recommendation. I was talking to my wife and I referenced the movie Petite Maman, uh, which is like um, the second film from uh, the filmmaker who made Portrait of a Lady on Fire, one of my favorite movies from the last 10 years, made this short little follow-up. It's an hour and five minutes. 
is like her follow up mm-hmm. to this giant masterpiece. Uh, but the idea of it is um, a eight year old girl uh, after her grandmother passes away, they go back to empty out the house and her mom aged eight is there. So it's got kind of like a supernatural element to it. Um, her mom's quite distant. So they connect uh, as kids. It is gorgeously shot, uh, super well-directed and uh, the end of it, I find actually very moving. So not oh, many okay. people so heard about it. Um, would you recommend that to me? I would recommend that to you, especially, okay. yeah, it's last night we'll we were it. like, we should watch a movie, but it's very late. And yeah, an hour, five minutes for like that super like a TV show. Well-crafted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an episode. It's half a bachelor and <laughs> it's much more moving. Uh, I'm going to go next because I, I want <laughs> sure, I yeah, to end ahead, on, yeah. uh, us on this one, but I got a question last week about how my Pathfinder campaign is going. Uh, for those who don't know yes. what that means, that is a tabletop RPG like Dungeons and Dragons, but Pathfinder is for people who think Dungeons and Dragons is too mainstream. Um, that's not me. I just was asked to join this. I'd never played a tabletop game before, so this was my first experience. Uh, like it a lot. It's forcing me to go outside and interact with other human beings, which is something I don't typically do what? that much because I like I like being at home and playing my video games and whatnot. Um, and it's, you know, I play Baldur's Gate, so I'm really enjoying the whole dice thing. Um, for those that are curious where we're at, <laughs> I'm currently a level three uh, ranger and I'm got a weird dynamic where everyone else on that I'm playing with is very squishy in terms of like no hit points. I got a cleric, I got a, a gnome mage, and I have a, a rogue and then me. So we don't have like a dude who can stand up front and take hits. So I've had to craft my character to be tanky while also be ranged. So I have... You're tankless. We You're have tankless no tank, party. but uh, I can dish out damage <laughs> uh, quite well. And I'm enjoying it a lot. My character has almost only died once. And a couple other guys have only almost died once. We have not lost anyone yeah. and things are progressing and I'm having a good time. And I more importantly, young humans are like speaking to each other and breathing the same air. What is the laughing. median age yeah. of the group of people you're playing with? Jared? 35 <laughs> is it young people. 35. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that was 35. Is young. Yeah. 35 is young. Yeah. We're relatively young. Anyway, yeah. there you go. That was, that's, yeah. that, that's yeah. my update. And to the one person that asked, there you go, Chris. Nice. What's on your desk? Uh, so yes. Uh, so I did have my daughter, Maddie, her eighth birthday party uh, with 13 children that my wife and I had to wrangle. That was great. What's uh, your Jordan's review on are... Trolls 3, Chris? Oh, oh, Band Apart? No, I mean, yeah, no. Yeah, I can't stand uh, Just, you know, kids movies. Anyways, um, Soul was great. Oh, I miss Soul. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was terrible. But uh, they had a great time. Maddie had a wonderful time. Your kids, as always, Jordan, were lovely, um, very well behaved. I only had to spank them three times, I think, is what I what I texted your wife. Um and uh, yeah, I know everybody was, but it's, oh man, birthday parties, just exhausting. If you, uh, that's the best birth control is just take like prospective parents to a birthday party for kids and be like, this is your future. And they'll be like, maybe we shouldn't. There's going to be 18 of these per child. Yeah, like, oh man. And the and then, then you break out the visa card at the end of the day. Yikes. So anyways, that's it. But uh, I'm alive still and I'm trying out. Maybe it sounds different. Have you noticed how my microphone is a shiny cylinder? It's like, um, it's if like you're listening, you might not ships. have. Yeah. No, but it's a shiny cylinder. It looks like uh, one of the transport uh, space folders. No, it's a cylinder. Dune. You're a shillinder when you talk about uh, Sony. Craig. I'm a shillinder for Icon Studio Quality USB streaming mic from Earthworks Audio. I have to read off the book of the box. I'm such a shill. But tell me how it sounds because normally we're using the Sennheiser Profile 2s. Let me know how this sounds. 
It's a bit more directional. One thing I will say, review right off the bat, it's micro USB-A into here. I think that's a big no-no because that's going to break. But yeah, you know, static static setup. Hopefully it'll last. But I, I, I notor- that's a notoriously terrible. My USB-C port's already bending in half. This one's going to break in two days. But otherwise, hopefully it sounds good. You guys let me know. Yeah, I really like the sound of it. It's better, uh, better right than the, the good go here. Yeah, it sounds right? good. And hopefully and I'm, I'm not peaking. I know that's a problem. I'm going to try it next week, and we'll see how it works with my deep, bassy, Ooh, sensuous voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. damn. Um, okay, let's get into uh, the comments and tech support. We'll start with tech support. Uh, let's lead off with a speak pipe from Blake. Hey, guys. Um, I know you guys are really behind on the questions, so I hope we're all doing good in the year 2068. Uh, Jordan, I really like how the mullet came in. It's looking awesome. Anyways, I was wondering, all the different brands have different names for it and slight variations of phase detect. You know, Lumix has phase detect and then Canon has dual pixel and so on. I was wondering, is there any technical difference between the different versions or is it all just the same thing? Is it mostly just the software and how it interacts with the lens that determines the quality of it? And is there any practical advantage between one system and the other? I mean, I want to start by just saying in 2068, I don't care if I have a mullet. If I'm still alive, that's a huge (laughs) W for me. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll take that. Uh, Go ahead with the actual answer to the actual question. Well, I mean, there's not a huge technical difference. No. Um, And and this actually would probably go for phase, uh, sorry, for contrast detect as well, right? I mean, effectively, the technology is the same. I mean, the sensors being made by a lot of the same manufacturers and and the autofocusing pixels are incorporated onto the sensor. So it really is more so software based how the companies choose to manipulate that that data where they focus. I mean, a good example is Panasonic when they were doing their DFD. Yeah, depth from defocus DFD. I was getting confused with DND, all your dice talk. Um, yeah, so that was an interesting take on how they how they set up the algorithm to handle how far out of focus it is, how much we have to shift that focus. Yeah, so the technology is the same. How the companies choose to use it, how good their deep learning, their machine learning uh, algorithms are at now picking up faces or animals or whatever the subjects. I think that plays a much bigger part now in the performance of the autofocus than the actual technology itself. I mean, the big difference, dual pixel and phase detect, because you mentioned, you know, they're all using the same chips. Well, Canon isn't. They Canon, still make their own sensors. Right. So does Samsung. And, they're the and only Samsung ones. has dual pixel too. Yes. Uh, so what dual pixel, the big difference is um, you have dedicated phase detect pixels on a phase detect sensor uh, scattered across it, which theoretically, we heard this from Panasonic for years, will <laughs> impair image quality um, because right. it has to interpolate the information where those phase detect pixels should be, where dual pixel AF actually has like two phase detections on every single little pixel. Um, so you shouldn't have any light lo- or information loss with that. Um, but I think that really the proof is in the pudding, which is we haven't really seen image quality penalties with phase detect cameras. Not to a significant uh, degree. And dual pixels, yeah, we're not seeing uh, substantially yeah. better image quality on dual pixel cameras. But the big thing is, the autofocus performance between dual pixel AF and phase detect seems very similar. If you know, yeah. I would even give a slight edge to uh, what Sony and sometimes Nikon are doing right now. So yeah, uh, I think and it's I would just argue, two technologies getting us to the same point. Yeah. 
I would argue that Canon, the, the main benefit that we've seen in their autofocus lately has been their algorithms, right? Not their dual pixel technology, but their algorithms have started to get to the point where they're quite comparable. Yeah. I should mention it's the 10th anniversary of dual pixel autofocus. I took a look this morning and our um, 80D review, or sorry, 70D <laughs> review. Uh, came out 10 years ago. Wow. Uh, that was the Damn. first one with it. And then it made a ton of sense because you had a flippy floppy phase detect mirror. But in live view, your autofocus was hot garbage. And uh, that changed with the uh, Canon was implementation that, of that. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't think it's as big an advantage. All right. Uh, Jay Johnston emailed, what are the best options for small portable hard drives or SSDs for backing up images while traveling? I don't need NAS. No, you don't need NAS, not for traveling. Just a small drive that I can download my dailies to and connect to my laptop or desk computer for post-processing adding to Lightroom or adding to my Lightroom catalog. I have the answer for you. And it is a guide that I wrote with a couple others on the team that hey. actually tested all of the major ones that you can buy. Uh, it, the answer depends on what you're using. If you care about Thunderbolt and have Thunderbolt, your options are more expansive. You get the benefits of anything that is Thunderbolt as well as anything that's USB-C. If you don't have Thunderbolt, then you would go with only USB-C. Uh, what we found uh, is the best, the one that's the best for uh, Thunderbolt is the Lassie uh, SSD. It's a, the small rugged one. And then hold on, I cannot remember what the one that we picked for non-Thunderbolt because I don't use a non-Thunderbolt computer. <laughs> so uh, it took me a bit. One yeah. second. I mean, I'll use any slutty hard drive that comes across my desk. I have to say it like but, that. But uh, Jordan, you, you, you specifically, Jordan, you love your Samsungs, don't you? I've just I've had really good success, and in, in Jaren's uh, article as With, well, you can see those tested really well for reliability. Yeah, um, those are the W not necessarily speed or? the T sevens. Yeah, a T seven. Um, they yeah. have another yeah. one. Yeah. Samsung released the T eight recently. And it performed very mm. similarly, um, but the, the the casing is better. I don't like the case on the Samsung uh, T7s personally. I don't like the way it feels. Um, but yeah, it's a 50-50 shot with the USB-C port mm. too. Sometimes they're quite loose on the 7s. Yeah. It seems like the recent ones have been better. Um, but um, the one that we liked overall, uh, in addition, Samsung's great pick. Not Nothing against Samsung. We just found that overall the Crucial X10 Pro performed better. And if you have USB 3.2 2x2, which is not super common, but does exist, this will be better on that. But so will Samsung's mm. uh, T8. So it's like between those two, whichever one's on sale, yeah. uh, whichever one like the, the size you like, those are both great. The Crucial is just real small and generates less heat than others through some uh, yeah. chicanery that Crucial did that I don't think anyone else has done. Um, <laughs> good chicanery. I don't think that's, is that a thing? The more often I plug one in and it actually comes up with the drive and it doesn't say something's wrong with this uh, this folder, the happier I am. That's all I ask for in an SSD. That's all I want. Well. And no, that's all. If you, that's all. If you that's pick it. any of the drives we put on this list, that will likely be what happens. Um, I will link to this yeah, guide. Don't buy a SanDisk. Don't buy a SanDisk. Uh, this guide was actually made in response to people being like, our SanDisks are breaking. So there is no SanDisk on this list. <laughs> yeah, I go. don't recommend buying any SanDisk right now, especially since SanDisk refuses to acknowledge that there's anything wrong with their drives and keeps selling them for major discounts when they shouldn't. Um, but that link is in the description below. Uh, next one is from Griffin. This is also a speak pipe. Let's listen in. Hey, Petapuppies. This is Griffin from Wisconsin. I found that the majority of my photography nowadays is spent doing sports photography for Ultimate Frisbee tournaments. I currently flip-flop between my Pentax K3 and Sony A77 Mark II. I used the DA55-300 on the Pentax because I needed something waterproof. And on the Sony, I have a 70-210 to beer can lens. 
I'm finding that the autofocus and to a lesser extent, the range is letting me down. Is there room to change lenses on these cameras for better performance in those? Or is are they just drawbacks of these older bodies? I'm sort of looking into the Minolta 500mm reflex autofocus, but more realistically, the 1.4 teleconverter for the beer can. And for the Pentax, either upgrading to the PLM version of the 55 to 300 or splurging on the 300 F4, or even going to the Bigma 150 to 500 Sigma lens. Thank you. <clears throat> I love these types of questions because I hear about yeah. lens and camera combinations <laughs> in 2023 that I don't think people understand are still common or used. This is one of them. Right. Yeah, I mean, good on Griffin for for going the SLR route still, rocking the DSLRs. Um, or SLT, even more rare. Wow, yeah, right? I mean, holy cow. Uh, you know, I think I think one of the issues you're going to have, I mean, autofocus for sure is going to be tough. You're not getting tons of range. The problem is if you start throwing teleconverters on those lenses, which are already fairly slow lenses, you're, you're going to trade one for the other. Your range will get better, but your autofocus is going to be even, even more of a letdown. I don't think that's the answer. So I don't know, Jordan, this is tough because I don't want to be the guy who says, go to mirrorless. Um, I certainly wouldn't get the reflex autofocus. I think you'd find that very limiting where you might find a zoom very useful for what you're doing. Yeah. But yeah, and if you're trying to like get people jumping in the air and faces and stuff like I mean, I, do yeah. just, I don't know. Does it go mirrorless? I don't know. I feel like a zoom is still something you're going to want Griffin. Yeah. I mean, the one that jumped out to me, much like the Frisbee players, uh, like they said, um, you know, move on over to a Pentax lens with the faster, uh, autofocus motor, but Chris and I actually tested this uh, when that lens came out alongside the yeah. KP and did not notice a huge increase in the actual speed. It's much quieter, but not substantially faster. I hate to say it, but yeah, if you're really butting up <laughs> against this, you know, maybe like a crop sensor mirrorless camera with a telephoto might be a, you know, use your other stuff that you enjoy shooting for everything where you yeah. don't need the fast autofocus, but you know, like a, a little Sony 6700. Uh, with a tele, like that 70-3 yeah. Sony is a great lens and very compact. Um, and like look, that. you can make it work. You're obviously doing it already, right? And and there's lots of kinds of photographer. We wouldn't recommend it. But I do think a lot of sort of DSLR users that then get a mirrorless <laughs> camera with the latest autofocusing, the better algorithms, a lot of them have this sort of aha moment of like, where have you been all my life? This is so much simpler. It's easier. I can focus more on just compositions. My hit rate's getting way higher. Less to carry. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you're fit. You're doing ultimate Frisbee. So, I mean, he's photographing. What I would it. recommend, a lot of people will say, um, grab a um, adapter and a mirrorless camera to use your existing uh, A-mount lenses. That doesn't work great. We really struggled with that when we were testing I'm it shaking my head. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Griffin, that we don't have, you know, better... A cheap yeah, answer. Yeah, a cheap answer. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get a Bigma. Well, I, I, the, the one, <laughs> is the 150 to 500, is that the green one or is that a different lens entirely? Not the green one. Because that's no, what I call the Bigma. Big and I feel like that's yeah, the biggest Ma. Yeah, if you were going to. But the 150 to 500s <laughs> are like popular. They're still very big. They're like this long. That, 
very okay. popular all black sports and wildlife lenses they were interesting okay yeah it's not the 120 to 3 2.8 that's the biggest no. figma yeah i was gonna say if you can afford that you may as well just go and get all of what you guys just suggested go get in the get system um, all right moving on the urban lumberjack on spotify asks i'd love to hear your thoughts on what dji's lidar focus system is like combined with supported panasonic cameras this was an update that came out mm -hmm. i think earlier this year i would love to know <laughs> where you feel it sits compared to other brands autofocus systems yeah. I have touched that zero times. Yeah, I, we haven't been able to use it uh, because I don't have a LiDAR system uh, for the RS3 that we sometimes use on our shoots. Um, however, I can say it's using the same essential algorithms that we've seen with the Ronin 4D or uh, if you are using the LiDAR with a mechanically driven follow focus, which mm -hmm. means it's quite good at mid-range distances, does a great job. Where LiDAR really does struggle a little bit, I've found, is close-up. I can't trust it for like product shots, things like that, uh, was where it was letting us down a little bit. And this should be identical because it's using the same unit. It's just telling the lens where to drive. Mm -hmm. um, so I would expect very similar results with that. Uh, we're hoping to do kind of an update, see where DJI is at with the latest version of that. Uh, hopefully this year, maybe early next year. Uh, so stay tuned. I'll have better impressions and whatever we find, you can basically assume it applies the same if you use it with a Panasonic. All right, moving right along. Let's listen to a speak pipe <laughs> from Andreas. Dear beloved Petapixel team, a few short weeks ago I had to fill in for a photographer to shoot a children's birthday party on quite short notice. It was a fun and fast-paced shoot, but by the end of it the grandfather of the child came to me and said he has an old camera lying around and he didn't use it for the last 10 years and he wants me to have it as a present because he liked the way I presented myself during the shoot. Well, was I in for a surprise? It was a 645 AF Phase 1 with an 80 megapixel Leaf Aptis 2 slash 12 digital back and three Schneider Kreuznach 2.8 lenses. After a bit of polite arguing that I couldn't possibly take it, it went home with me. Now, I am actually 80% video and a 20% photo guy, so hybrid shooting. Now, what would you do? Sell it and invest it in modern equipment that I can use on my day-to-day -day jobs? Or did it come to me, the camera, because it wants to be used by me? Now, what are your thoughts on it? Cheers and thanks from Vienna. Yours, Andreas. I... So first off, Andreas, yes, this is this amazing. This story is bananas. Also, you have a yeah, great voice, and whatever mic you recorded this on, I mean, start a podcast. Yes, and you, you, you're set. <laughs> and I could listen to you pronounce Schneider Koisnach all day long. I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to call Jaren Schneider Koisnach from now on. It's probably somewhere um, in my history we're related to that group. That's your... <laughs> that's your new uh, that's your new nickname but this is crazy I and mean, we're talking about a very a very expensive but also and very well built but also very old in digital terms camera um and, and i don't think it shoots your shooting like it doesn't suit your shooting style i'm a sucker for if somebody gives me something old that they've really treasured i want to then make that a tool that i use but realistically for what you're doing for work i don't know that it's really going to be something you're going to use so i would say either keep it to this is a great memory and you like take it out and you kind of just enjoy the experience of shooting this outside of your job or pass it on to somebody who will really use it all the time and take that sweet cold hard cash and get some stuff for yourself yeah that was going to be exactly where i was at as well is just if it's completely different from how you're used to 
shooting and it's fun, you know, go take it out. You have it now. See if you enjoy it. Uh, if you're not absolutely in love with it, then yeah, give it to someone else. Or, or sell it. Sell it for sell it so much money. So <laughs> Those much lenses, money. Those lenses, I think, are, the, are really valuable. Exactly. Quite snock. Yeah. yeah. So. Love it. Cool story. Um, and yeah, Amazing. be a voice actor. Just be a voice I, actor. Or read me, like record. Andres, can you send me like lullaby <laughs> stories? Just read books to me. And and I'll, oh man, I could fall asleep. I will say one more Anyways, thing, keep Andres. I tried to reach back out to you. I have no way to communicate with you. I would actually like to feature you, you this story on Petapixel as just like a cool story. <laughs> so if you would email me, please, yeah. so that we can coordinate, because I think if you took some pictures of these and we talked a little bit about your work, that would be a really cool story. So um, you can do that at EIC at <laughs> Petapixel.com. Only Andreas email me, yeah. please. That's the sound you know, people uh, make when they see <laughs> Jaren. They go, eek! <laughs> and I know we're running out of time, but one more thing. It's like, it's just... Normally, when a photographer goes to do a job like a wedding or a party or whatever, and then like the old grandfather or uncle comes out of the woodwork, usually it's a horrible thing. Like, oh, well, in my day, I would use this. And what aperture are you using? Oh, that's the wrong one. Blah, blah, blah. Rarely does this person say, hey, you know what? I got an amazing There's camera for thousands you and thousands of dollars of <laughs> sweet ass gear. Use it. So, wow. What a great story. Anyways. It was a very good story. I'm glad that you shared that with us. Um, we're going to move on to, hold on one more second. I, I just lost my page. All right. Uh, next one is also a speak pipe. This one is from Matthew, and I like this one. Let's listen in. <laughs> this is Matthew from Minnesota. I've been watching for years, and I really enjoy the best buddies vibe of the show. Um, I've been taking a lot of portraits lately, and the recharge time and the lack of power of my speed light is really killing me. Can you make some recommendations for a more powerful and possibly plug-in light? Um, that might be a nice budget option to get started on a more flash and um, focused portraits. Yeah. You guys have been using lights I love lately, so that's why I'm excited for you to talk about this because like you've been using them to great effect. Oh yeah, I mean I'm we're using the Westcotts, the FJ four hundreds, the FJ two hundreds. They're very portable. They're battery powered. I like the boxes. I mean they're they're pricey lights. I, I wouldn't say that they're like a budget flash, but. Very reliable. The universal adapter has had zero problems. So I've been finding I'm shooting a lot more flash now that I've got bigger light sources that are still very portable. So I'm I'm enjoying the experience. When we were in Monterey, uh, and there are a f- we, you ran into a guy yeah. that was using basically the same setup as you in a, at, a, at a restaurant and you had to go, you ran over there and showed oh, yeah. him. We had a Westcott moment. Yeah, it was really sweet. But also Minnesota, great place. I've heard Canada has been described as we've got the laws and, and sensibilities of England, and then we've got the culture of Minnesota. And that's in a good way. That's a compliment. Yeah, I, I would definitely say like look more towards those smaller output. If you're dealing with a speed light right now, remember you can get like, you know, a, a 200 like that uh, FJ200 Chris had there. Um dial that thing way back and your recycle times are like nothing uh, if that's what's really been frustrating you right now and you'll still get the benefits you know it used to be like you're going full manual with off camera and you can still do that i prefer to but you can also get like ttl functionality and stuff with them as well just be aware uh it's different modifiers so you do tend to pay actually a little bit more for the fixture with less output which is interesting uh, as opposed to like a big old bowens mount but um yeah they're great next the rapid boxes are really quick, easy. Yeah, it's super nice. Super nice. Next question is from Steve. This is also a speak pipe. Let's listen in. I just want to say thanks for the podcast, and it's always great to find more Gunpla and Gundam fans. Uh, Unicorn is the best Gundam. 
But uh, my question is that as an amateur photographer who mostly takes photos of gunpla figures, I find that a lot of the times in my photos, there appears to be some sort of chromatic aberration or fringing along the edges of the subject. And I can't seem to figure out what's causing this. Uh, I'm using a DIY light box with a ring light and I'm shooting on a uh, Fujifilm X-T3 with the included 18-55 f2.8 kit lens. I assume it's something to do with how I'm lighting the figures or perhaps something to do with the autofocus, but I'm not entirely sure. And I was just wondering, what can I do to avoid this kind of color fringing? Before you answer that, Chris, hold Steve. on. He said that Unicorn is the best Gundam. I have also heard that. However, it's in the UC timeline, which requires I watch like six other shows <laughs> before I can get to Unicorn to know what's going on. So I believe you that right. you probably have a very good opinion, but I'm so unable to argue with you because I just don't know. It takes too much effort to get there. Plus, check back you in know, eight for- months. <laughs> From my limited experience with with you know Gundam, uh, to say the best, what does that mean? I mean, Gundam is more complicated than F one racing. You could say who's the best F one racer slash F one car of this year, and it would be a less complicated That's answer why it's fun than to argue what these about people it will give nobody you. can ever be really right. Oh. Anyway, um, Chris, why is he getting chromatic aberration on his Gunpla figures? Steve, you're dealing with what sounds like, and I'm assuming this is on the areas that are in focus largely, right? Because you're shooting this gunplay to have pretty much everything in focus. It sounds like you're getting good old-fashioned classic chromatic aberration. And this is where we get a little bit of light bleeding. The light's getting split by the lens, and it's not coming back all together on the exact same plane. There's some wavelengths that are kind of splitting off, and then you get these color fringes. And you'll often see it on areas of contrast. And a gunplay would be perfect because you usually have a lot of white plastic, a lot of hard edges against dark background so that's where you're going to see it white really shows it up well um the lucky thing is it's very easy to fix in post so if you're using lightroom or capture one you can go into your lens correction tools and you can adjust your chromatic aberration sliders the fuji 1855 is a great lens two points great lens but it does have some chromatic aberration it's very easy to get rid of if you have areas that are out of focus in the shot and the whole scene is kind of going greenish or magentish like not just the edges like the whole thing that's loca longitudinal chromatic aberration and that's much harder to get rid of, but I don't think that's your problem here. If it, it does turn out it is uh, Loca, which I, I remember that lens has a little bit at the longer end, uh, stop down. Uh, just That'll if, you, if you bring it down even to, you know, it's an F4 maximum aperture, shoot it at 5.6 to F8, and it's really going to help with that issue, uh, whether it's uh, standard chromatic aberration or longitudinal chromatic aberration. The answer to your question specifically is it's your lens. Uh, the, the lens is what's yes, causing you that. can't do anything with the, the rest lighting. of your stuff yeah. is probably great also send me gunpla pictures i need to see send send the, the email address that <laughs> and, i gave and to argue. andreas you can also use that but only if it includes gunpla pictures um all right yeah. last one tim has asked on Speakpipe. let's listen in hey jordan jaron and chris this is tim from new hampshire i was wondering if you'd be able to help me narrow down to a lens selection for some portrait photography I'm torn between the Fujifilm 50-140 and the 56-1.2 WR. I keep flip-flopping back and forth. I like the versatility the 50-140 will offer, but the 56 does give you that 85mm full-frame equivalent. Let me know what you think. Yeah. You're going to get that 85 mil equivalent regardless. Um, and I totally agree. I mean, it's a great lens. Uh, the 50 to 140, I think if you're doing more like 
like model kind of portraits or like family stuff or grad or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. I like having a zoom because you have the flexibility of doing group shots or doing standing portraits a little bit easier and then going to tight shots. Uh, even going up into that higher telephoto range can be really nice for like tight compression shots or even standing shots at long distance in a park that 140 mil will give you like a really dynamic look. And honestly, F 2.8, even on APS-C, you're still going to get, again, I usually shoot portraits stop down anyways. So 56 mil 1.2, it really does give you that magic if you want to do like close up eyes in focus everything else going soft but that's a fairly limited use case in my opinion i don't shoot like that very often the big one i want to touch on when they announced an updated 56 i was hoping for a new focus motor uh that 56 is not a very fast focuser so if you like to shoot yeah. candids uh that right around that range is my favorite candid focal length uh, it's not going to be awesome for that one other thing if you can deal with something a little longer to get back on my 135 um podium <laughs> oh man the Fuji 90mm LM WR one of my favorite lenses ever made um that's an F2, a little bit slower, but a great middle ground between those two lenses. And a bunch yes. of my favorite photos I've ever taken were with that lens. I adore it. But somewhat limited in the scope of how you can use it or where you can use it, depending on the space you have. Uh, yeah. All right. We're going to get to never read the comments, a section where we always read the comments. And I'm, we're going to burn through these because uh, I'm hoping to spend what? about maybe five minutes max on this before we end the show. Uh, these <clears throat> right. first two are from your best and worst video. I just wanted you to know that basically the uh, sentiment overall is please, for the love of God, don't ever stop this series. Sean Paul photo wrote that. It's one of the most upvoted comments on the uh, episode. There weren't a lot of questions there, <laughs> mostly just people saying how much they like you. Um, but I also wanted to orientated 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 is yeah, a word. There's a lot it's, of discussion about the that. British. Yes, the British like to use orientated and we're Canadian and we take a lot of our linguistics from them. So it's totally appropriate. <laughs> Previous guest on the show, Richard Butler, went to the comments and I was ready yes. to fight Chris to the death. But if Richard says it's true, it must be true. So and he's from Gloucester. Giving Chris so a hard time for orientated. <laughs> it still sounds when I say it, it I sound wrong. like something's wrong with my mouth. Yeah. Um, you guys, the, there's one more comment on this that I wanted to bring up. You guys remember our boy. Antonio de Benedetto, right? Yes, well, he now, of course. He used to be at Leica. He's now at The Verge. He gave you guys a shout out over on The Verge. Yes. He said that Petapixels, Chris Nichols, and Jordan Drake are once again recapping the year's best and worst cameras over made-up drinking games. This is my favorite annual camera nerd tradition, and it's now running for 10 years and three YouTube channels. We, that's true. <laughs> we miss you, and we appreciate you, Antonio. Thank you very much. He says that. also... And congratulations. No yeah. spoilers, but I'm here to say that the Nikon ZF was shunned, and after 10 years, Chris's excellent hair is aging better than his alcohol tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> my alcohol tolerance is great, uh, but my mm, hair is aging. Well, thank mm. you. Oh, <laughs> dude, I had like, okay, first off, it's a show. Okay, there's a little bit of showmanship. It's a uh -huh. show. I was drunk, but it's it's a show. But also, I had like dude, an hour-long nap. I know. <laughs> Come on. I had an I had an hour-long nap, and I was right as rain. I don't get hangovers. I'm blessed that way. It's great. Anyway. Uh, all right. The next two are from the Phase 1 review, which is shockingly one of our most popular episodes of the year. Uh, Danny Hutt says, you deserve the Diplomat of the Year Award, Chris, for your success in t uh, teasing out the positive aspects of this ridiculous <laughs> camera. And you refrain from pointing out that the market for this paperweight is ultra-rich people who want to give the impression that they are serious about photography by buying the most expensive camera out there. Yeah. Well done. I don't think that that's really who it's for, but it's probably who I, That's why I didn't yeah, say I it. Think it's, I don't think it's an ultra-rich toy. Either. No, I think a Leica. Yeah, okay. Let's look, like This is... I don't know who this that is That was for. the most confusing this thing. Is for, is like, we actually don't know who would buy this. 
Yeah. Like, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because there's not going to be a ton of them, but it's for a very different subsect of people. Like, I, I, if I was ultra rich, I wouldn't buy this. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I, I would get a Leica or I would get something else like like a Hasselblad, you know, like luxurious and sexy. This is really like a, a it's a unicorn Gundam. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But I thought that was the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that. Oh, wait, it's a unicorn. Yeah, Sorry, it's a unicorn. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, two more comments from the, uh, these are on the last podcast. Uh, POV walks with roving Cyclops. That is, sure. That is a name. Um, they told me, and I feel bad, says, my speak pipe was clearly lost in the mail, still waiting for a good explanation as to why reviewers talk megapixels for sensors, but dots for screens and EVF. Consumers might get a little more riled up if they realize manufacturers are shortchanging them by making them look a lot at less than a megapixel <laughs> representation of what their 24 megapixel sensor is trying to show them. I don't know what happened to your speak pipe. I don't remember ever getting one like this. And every single one we get, we talk to. So <laughs> I apologize. But yeah, why? Why are we not? Why are we doing dots and not megapixels? I guess oh. they're not technically pixels. I mean, the big I mean, reason for it, you can read them that way. I mean, it's just a panel. Um, manufacturers are doing it. It's how people are used to comparing the quality of different displays on cameras. It is silly and it's deceptive. Jaron pointed out when we started at Petapixel, <laughs> is like, I'm not sure that the resolution math uh, totally lines up because you've got three dots to a pixel. Uh, so when you put your resolution together, it's like, oh, it's a third of what they've advertised. Uh, we do say it because if you're looking to compare it to your existing model, you probably understand it in terms of how many million dots it is. But what I also do whenever that comes up is on screen. And a lot of people, I think when we're doing a review, if we're not saying like specifically look at this, they're looking at another tab or they've got their phone out or something like that. Um, on screen, I will always put the actual resolution of that display. Yeah. Um, 1920 by 1080, for example, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. To give you a better version of it. I mean, why people might be mad to find out that their display is only giving them, you know, less than a megapixel is because there aren't really better displays. You know, even like some of the best EVFs out there are just slightly more than 1080p video, uh, which is two megapixels. So, um, yeah, when, as yeah. the technology improves, uh, we'll certainly yeah. keep on griping that it's not as good as the photo your camera's taking. But uh, And yeah. also, as Jordan said, like, it's the industry standard. And, I mean, our critics are the most pedantic people on the planet. And thus, we how, want how to try to Nikon? avoid that as much as possible. <laughs> Uh, Nikon. Nikon. All right. Last thing. This one I wanted to end on. It is a speak pipe from Alex Hayes. Let's listen in. Hi, guys. This is Alex from the UK. Just want to say uh, thanks very much for your amazing work on various YouTube channels over the years and also through the podcast. You might not be aware, but for some of us, it's not that easy to actually access the photography community in our local area. And, um, your guys' content and how you present and the things you talk about is uh, really, really valuable, um, especially during COVID, for example. Uh, so thank you for everything you've done. I just wanted to ask about your own personal photo projects or video projects for Jordan. What are the things that you are most passionate about shooting? Do you have any projects that you have on the go at the moment? And what are the things that really get you fired up to actually use your cameras uh, not for a work-related reason. Thanks again for all the work. Bye. Yeah, I, I definitely, I've said repeatedly, one of my favorite places to be on Earth is on uh, set. I, I really love that energy and that vibe. It's something I really enjoy that, yeah, I would I would love to do more often. Um, but it is a absolute colossal 
time commitment to do it properly. Uh, you know, even if it's a week of shooting, it's months and months of prep to do that properly. Uh, so I haven't been able to do it as much as I'd like, but I will say I absolutely loved the process of doing the Blair documentary. It was a lot of work, but that felt again, more like just classic filmmaking, what I grew up and wanted to do. Um, and we've got some potential projects, uh, that are very similar to that. And I'm really looking forward to doing more of those. Uh, if you are, you know, in the Calgary area and you just need like a grip for a couple days, call me up. I'll happily do it. I just, I love that experience. He doesn't but have time. I might be, he doesn't have I will be editing. Like when you're all yeah. at crafty, I'll be sitting there on my laptop trying to pump out another petapixel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll be there yeah. in the background recording talking points. It's yeah, it's tough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you don't get to answer that question, Chris, cause uh, Alex didn't ask you. So uh, nobody cares. That's yep. fine. That's I it. get it. Nobody cares about what nope. I want to do. That's fine. That's the that's you've yeah, made that's it, it very clear. You want to f- fish and shoot things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, uh, that'll yeah. that'll do it for the that's week. True. Next week is the last episode <laughs> of the podcast season. Uh, we I'm looking forward to that episode quite a bit. It's going to be fun. Hope you tune in for that. Thank you for listening this week. Thanks again to our sponsor OM System for sponsoring the Petapixel podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, and uh, that's it. Sorry, this is again a little bit long, but some of you seem to think you don't mind. So that's don't apologize. Oh, don't apologize, Jared. They love it. Okay. They love every second of it. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks everyone. You, Catch you next week.